We're not called to be the Lone Ranger. But we are called to be a posse of prophetic people. If I could have found another P for the sake of alliteration, I would have thrown it in there, but three is all I got. A posse, a people of, of prophetic power. That one would have worked. Riding together. Reaching and rescuing. Seeking out people who are lost, who are hurting, who are in need. Gathering up hungry souls, hungry for fulfillment, while we declare that fulfillment and satisfaction is found in the person of Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. Our torch, our lasso, our weapons, our tools, whatever we have at our disposal can be summed up as the kind and urgent declaration of the love of God and the assurance that we are called to do life in Christ Jesus and to do it together. Our reward, our reward's already been given and given generously and given extravagantly. Our reward is Jesus Christ. He is our reward. We can never lose track of that. Christ is our reward. What we do, we do for him. What we lay on the line, we don't do it self-sacrificially necessarily, but we do it as sacrifice to the Lord because he's our prize. He's our reward. So I said that we're a posse of prophetic people with declaration on our lips, with, with scripture in our heart overflowing to ears that will hear. But I want to make sure that everyone knows what a posse is because maybe everyone doesn't know what a posse is. So the phrase posse comitatus originated in 9th century England. I'm not crazy about that because I, I was hoping it, like, originated in Dodge City or something, but it didn't. It was 9th century England, and it was created simultaneously with the creation of the office of sheriff. And here's what that phrase, posse comitatus, means. It means the power of the county. So posse, which is what we kind of know it more as, means power. Power. It finds its origins in Anglo-Latin and means body of men or power. And it's from the Latin to have power to be able. And that's us. That's us. A body of men and women. Power. Able people. Powerful people. People who have been given authority from God, and that's how we have power. Because of him and through him and in him. Power to what? I mentioned Dodge City. We might be familiar with posse, more 
you know, quickly relating that to the wild, wild west. A posse then was a group of people that were empowered by the sheriff or the marshal and given authority to assist in a specific mission when the mission arose, oftentimes unexpectedly. I love the visual of it because in this scenario, when we talk about the posse, the, po- the, the sheriff is both Christ, but also our pastoral team, and, and, and I'll connect those. Uh, I'll connect those as we go a little bit further. This group of people were mobilized by the conservator of peace for the following reasons: to suppress lawlessness or defend the county, to aid and support in the implementation of the law to assist in a rescue, especially when a search party is needed, to bring peace and order in the midst of a riot, and to preserve the town or community in the face of hostile occupation. Those were the instances that the posse was assembled and called in. Now, ironically enough, in England, and I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't know that I agree with this. I don't think I do agree with this. There were only two groups of people that were exempt from being called in to the posse peers of the sheriff and pastors. That's some bull. That is bull. Why would the pastors not be that I don't that rose me the wrong way. I, I can see their, their reason in, in it. I can see that I don't know. I don't know. I don't, maybe I can't see it. That's bull. Pastors should have been a part of that posse. We are part of that assembly. We are part of that spontaneous coming together to solve a problem and to solve it quick. Now I'll say this. There's times when when a need arises, our inclination as a pastoral team is just to jump on it real quick. Let's see if we can affect it. And, And there's times that's exactly what we do. We affect it. We got it done. And, and there's no need to put up, you know, the bat signal in the sky. There's no need to kind of rally the troops and say, hey, we have this. But there's times we look at it and say, this is bigger than us. We can't do this on our own, meaning the six people that make up our pastoral team. We need to call the posse. We need to rally all of us. How do you as a posse of prophetic people, uh, how do we relate this to today? How are you needed today? So I I said to to suppress lawlessness. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And so where there's lawlessness, let's go ahead and connect that with where there's a lack of knowing his grace and his love and the fulfillment of the law in, in mercy and salvation. When someone doesn't have that knowledge of Christ, we're needed. To aid and support in the implementation of the law. We are called to help put into effect the plan of God. To assist in a rescue, especially when the search party is needed. I'm telling you right now, there's still some folks that are missing because of the, the wild, greasy COVID gang. 
And so they're up in the mountains somewhere. And I'm just telling you, there's a search party that's needed to rescue some folks. And, and I, I say that in jest. But honestly, there's, there's some people that are still walking in fear. And I can get up here and invite them to come back to church every single week. But some of y'all need to go out there and connect with these people and say, it is time to come back. There is nothing to fear. I saw you at Walmart last week. I saw you at the movies. How can you go to the movies and not go to church? COVID ain't in the church. That's the one place it ain't. It ain't here. It's afraid of being in here. I mean, y'all get what I'm saying. To bring peace and order in a riot. We are called to speak peace, to bring peace, to pray peace, to be carriers of peace, and to preserve the town or community in the face of a hostile occupation. I'm letting you know, that's not just for the Wild West days. I'm letting you know that there's an enemy out there that roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And talk about hostile occupation. Satan wants to occupy our homes, our marriages, our family, our kids, our church. He wants to tear down the, the work of God. And he is active and he He's to be taken seriously, but he is not greater than us. In John 10.10, Jesus said this, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. So again, in the context of this local church, Impact Rock, the sheriff, the marshal, is, is both in Christ himself and the eldership of Impact Rock. A group of people were empowered. In that example of the posse, they were empowered and given authority by the sheriff or the marshal to assist in the specific mission. I want to read a couple passages real quickly from Luke chapter 9. Um, I know we were, having, uh, we were having technical difficulties earlier, but we are good now because our technical team are awesome. Led by Talia. Whoop, whoop. All right, Luke 9, 1 through 2. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, down to verse 6. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick, down to verse 10, which I love. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. They came back and said, I got to tell you what, how the Lord used me. Man, I need to let you know what took place. I've never been used by the Lord in this way before. And, and I got to tell you. And they came back and they gave testimony. And they shared and they told stories of the goodness of God. I love that. That's what we are called to do, to say, okay, I'm called, I'm commissioned, I've been given authority, now I've got to go out there and do this work of, of sharing about the kingdom of God, of laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed, of not being afraid of demons, but taking authority over demons and saying, you must bow your knee to the name of Jesus Christ and casting out demons. And then coming back and going, Get over here. I got to tell you what happened. I love that. 
I love it. I need to say this. You are empowered by God, and if you need to hear this, and by the pastoral team at your church to do the work that God is calling you to do. You got authority, do it. You got power, do it. Everything you need, you have right now. Now, that doesn't mean we, we stop growing, but if you've got Christ within you, you've got the Holy Spirit within you, you've got everything you need. Walk in it and grow and get more tools added to your tool belt as we walk with the Spirit. But do the work. Friends, it's better doing life together. They say there's strength in numbers. And it's true. We are called to do this together. Together. And it shouldn't just be a random or an infrequent rallying of the posse together. We're called to do it all the time. There's strength in numbers. We need each other. But I want you to hear this from me. I need you. This church needs you. This pastoral team needs you. We are grossly limited. Just being six people. Together, however, there's not a chink in the armor. There's not a weak spot because we've got each other's weak spots. We've, we've covered the back. We've covered the front. We're moving together in unity and in unison with purpose and with power. We need to link arms. You need to link arms with us and say yes to that rallying cry of, of Sheriff Jesus and say, I know it's that there's sacrifice involved, but I say yes to you. There's sacrifice. I mean, if we look, go back to the analogy of the posse, there's sacrifice. It's dangerous. There's harsh conditions. There's the threat of harm and danger and violence and death. And these folks would say yes. Using that example in, in the ninth century England, every young man from age 15 and older was eligible to be a part of the posse. Young people, I'll say to you right now, you need to be a part of the posse. I don't, I'm 14, 13, I don't care. Don't wait till you're 15. You are needed. You are needed. Your friends are needed. Your classmates are needed. And I don't know your classmates. I don't know your friends. I don't know your neighbors. You do. You do. Your barista. We might have the same barista. I don't know. Your grocer. Your banker. Your accountant. We are to be a sticky people where people stick to us through the, through the anointing of Jesus Christ and that, that we bond together. Luke 9, 23 and 24 says this. 
love this. This is what I thought I was preaching on today, by the way. And the Lord, the Lord just gave me a, a, a course correction. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Then Jesus said to the crowds, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Everyone say, give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. Everyone say daily. And follow me. This is what Jesus says. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I love the scripture. This week, this beautiful cross over here uh, was hung. It was last Sunday. Um, there's a young man named uh, Jade Miller, and, and he made this cross for us. He actually milled it out of a log, and then he had to wait till the wood dried, and then he, he built this for us. And then there were several of us that came. Uh, uh, me and Andy and Andy came and, and hung this up. And I love this because this cross represents two things. Number one, it represents the empty, the vacant is a better phrase, the vacant cross of Christ. He's not on there. I love the cross. I hate seeing a cross that's got Jesus on it. He ain't on it. That, that's a vacant cross. He conquered, he conquered death. He died on that cross. But he ain't there no more. He's not in the tomb anymore. He's alive. So that represents the vacant cross of Christ. But it also represents something else. And we need to see this as something else. This represents our daily cross that we are to pick up and carry in following him. The daily surrender. The daily sacrifice. The daily laying down of our will, our, our means, our selfish desires, our pride. Our insecurities, our apathy, our whatever. Daily laying it down, picking up the cross of Christ, and following Him. Picking up the call, the purpose maybe the one-day assignment, maybe the half-day assignment he has for us in following him. It's a vacant cross of Christ, and it's the cross that we are to carry in, in obedience and faith in Christ Jesus. This past season has been a good season. It's been a good season. It's been a good season for me. It's been a good season for for my wife, and it's been a good season for our pastoral team. Uh, during this season, I, I started this journey of, of just self-discovery of who I am in Christ. And I started reading the book. Um, I have it in my bag. I should grab it. I should grab it in case you guys want to get it, and I encourage you to get it. And I started reading this book called The Road Back to You, an Enneagram Journey of a self-discovery. So it's a Christian book. Um, Enneagram, Ennea means nine, gram means drawing. That's all it means. 
I know it's got the word gram in it, and so does pentagram. In pentagrams, we go bad, and so enneagram, we all know what ennea and penta, what are they? It means nine, a nine, nine points, nine drawings. And I started reading this book, and I started telling Kara about it. I started telling Andy about it first. And Andy got it, and he started reading it. He's like, oh, my gosh. And Kara started reading it. She's like, oh, my gosh, how are we not talking about this every day? This book is awesome. I've gotten breakthrough in this and this. And then I, I reached out to the pastoral team. I'm like, we're, we're buying a book for everybody. We're all reading this. We all read the book. Then last month we had a elders retreat. We got away. We brought in a, uh, a Christian woman who's an Enneagram coach, and she took several hours to just help us um, and walk us through a process of, of what our personality type is in the gospel and through the gospel. And that's what this book is. It's, it identifies nine, nine points, nine personalities, and three sub-personalities. And uh, I won't get into it, but I, I want you to know what I'm talking about. When, in the midst of reading this, it came upon the number that I knew was me. And that was type eight. I'm an eight. I'm an Enneagram eight. And if you're familiar with the Enneagram, you're like, oh, yeah, no duh, yeah. And as I started reading certain things, I started crying because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one in the world that feels like this and that responds like this. And I did. I did. I was crying. I'm like, I'm not alone. There's others out there like me. So can I share you a few things I learned about myself, a type eight on this scale? So this is all from this book, okay? What it's like to be an eight. I've been told that I'm too blunt and aggressive. That was like the first point. I'm like, yeah, so far it's me. Uh, doing things halfway is not my spiritual gift. I enjoy a good verbal skirmish just to see what others are made of. How many of y'all been on the other side of one of those verbal skirmishes? To see what you're made of. To see what our relationship is made of. To see what our bond is made of. In relationships that matter to me, I insist on being honest about conflicts and staying in the fight till things are worked out. This is the book. Go. Check this out. It's hard for me to trust people. Later on it said, my greatest fear is being betrayed. I think that's when I cried the hardest. I always just saw it as this like weakness in me, this flaw. And I, it brought me such comfort to know that I'm not alone in that. And also that when I'm walking in, in health in Christ Jesus, that I don't have to yield to that fear. Justice is worth fighting for. Saying no isn't a problem for me. I welcome opposition. Bring it. I make decisions fast and from the gut. I don't like it when people beat around the bush. One of my mottos is, a good offense is better than a good defense. Uh, I'll leave this last one. Uh, I, I'll do a couple more. There's three that are really good. Um, don't mess with the people I love. This one was really impactful. I know I'm respected, but sometimes I want to be loved. Mm. So good. And then under my tough exterior is a tender, loving heart. And as I read these things, then I was just hungry to keep, to keep reading. And, and the book points out 
here's what you look like when you're healthy, and here's what you look like when you're average, and here's what you look like when you're unhealthy. And it was so good. And I tell you why it was so good, because I'm like, oh my gosh, when I do this, I'm unhealthy. That's right. I'm hurting. I'm fearful. I'm whatever. Oh my gosh, I do that. And I was like, these are red flags. I can look for these indicators so that when I'm feeling these things, I can run to a brother, I can run to a sister and say, I, I, I think I'm leaning downhill. Uh, I think I'm not entirely healthy. Would you pray for me? Would you, this, that, or the other, would you be there for me? Would you point me to Christ? So I'm telling you guys, it was incredibly rewarding. And then all of our elders had the same response in reading the book. At that time, up at our elders' retreat with this woman, we all cried. And I, did anyone cry more than me? I don't know that any, but no one cried more than me at that thing. It was awesome. So I'm telling you right now, I'm not great at always asking for help. I'm not great at always letting others help me. But I'm telling you right now, in kingdom truth, we need each other. And if I'm not asking, or if we as a pastoral team are not asking, you got to be volunteering. Because we're called to do this together. And I'm not good at asking. I'm good at a lot of things. I'm good at, with kingdom perspective in mind, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm good at preaching Jesus. I'm good at making sure that, that what I'm declaring is scriptural. I'm good at inspiring people and pointing them to Jesus. I'm good at graphic design. Those things I'm good at. There's some things I stink at. I'm an eight. I'm a challenger. There's times I'm really abrupt. So I'll tell you what I stink. I stink at leading team meetings. I stink at leading elders meetings. I talk too much. Our elders meetings used to go eight hours. Eight hours. Pastors meetings. I am not exaggerating. Now they're about maybe three, four, and sometimes... 45 minutes of that is praying for y'all. Praying for the church. Praying for the will to be done in our community. You know why? Kara and Andy pretty much lead the meetings now. <laughs> Not me. I'll say my inspirational bit, and then, and then I'll try and shut up. I won't shut up all the time because I like to talk. But my wife would just give me the rub, followed by the squeeze, followed by the, the, pul the pulsation on the leg. Like, okay, zip it, heart. Uh, in team settings. I'm not great at leading team meetings, and, and that's kind of hard for me to say because I, I value myself as a leader, but that doesn't mean I'm good in every aspect of leadership. I'm not great at, at team meetings. The, the eight, the challenger, is also called the protector. And I'm still not great at knowing when to protect team and knowing when to say, when to challenge, because my instinct is to challenge. But just in honesty, over the years, we've had plenty of team members burn out, and that's a, that's a concern of mine. That's even a fear of mine. We've seen team burn out. We've challenged too much. We've asked too much. At the end of the year, we saw signs of some elements of burnout in our team. 
And, and I said, hey, we're going to be taking a break. We're going to be taking a break. We don't want to see you burn out. We're going to take a rest. And then finally we said, okay, if you lead the ministry, keep leading it. If you're volunteering and serving in the ministry, keep serving in it. But nothing else. Because to be part of the team, you've got to commit to doing the thing you do, the area of ministry you're in, and more. And volunteer for other stuff. And so he said, no, just don't volunteer for other stuff. Don't do other stuff. We're going to do it. And so because of that, we, we, we pray and trust that our team is resting, that they're not overwhelmed. But also because of that, we're probably not walking in the fulfillment of what we should be doing as a church because six people can't adequately plan. Six people can't adequately execute. Six people can't adequately dream. The six of us on our pastoral team can't adequately cast that vision and then empower and then walk out and then equip and do all the work. We just can't. We're called to do it together. I do think we're supposed to serve in an area of passion. And I do think we're supposed to serve in an area of sacrifice. I do believe that. I mean, Byron is supposed to serve in an area of passion that we know as music. He's supposed to do that. Of our giftings, that's one of the obvious ones. He's supposed to do that. But he's also supposed to sacrificially live his life but just not like all the time. That's where it's exhausting, like every now and again. So I say that to say, I, I don't have the answers, and I know for a fact our pastoral team doesn't have all the answers of how we're to best operate as a church and as a team and to reach our community. But together, we're, we're not inadequate. We're, we're equipped. We're strengthened. Now, I'm still a challenger, so I'm going to challenge. You're needed. Grow as you're being used. Grow as you're on horseback as part of the posse. Grow as you're being used by our king. This brings little baby giraffe tears to my eyes. When I see this every single week, we need a drummer. Do you know a drummer? Can you go into a bar and find us a drummer? I don't care. We need a drummer. Christian, if it ain't you, do you know a drummer? Can you build us a website to help us find something? And it's not on you. I'm just, you know, using you because I'm a challenger and I, I like that. We, we need to start having more gatherings. I am so sick of COVID. COVID lost. Satan lost. We need to start having potlucks. We need to start having outreaches. We need to reach our community. We need to assist in Kim is over outreaches, but she needs assistance. She needs people to link arms so that she's not doing it all her own. We need to be doing some of the things that we did before and some of the things we haven't done because we are called to help people love and follow Jesus. 
And part of following Jesus, he said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to die to yourself, and you've got to make sacrifice, and you've got to daily pick up that cross, and you've got to follow me. And we are called to do this. And we are called to do this together. I don't even know where I am in my notes. Again, Luke 9, 20, 23, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. This is a message for another time, but I just want to let you know, Jesus spoke this word to them before they knew what that cross represented. Jesus spoke these words to them before he died on that cross. Jesus spoke these words before he carried the cross of shame through the streets to Golgotha. He spoke this prior to demonstrating the perfect love of the Father by dying on it. Let that sink in. They didn't understand the importance of it when he first said it, but they did later. We understand it now because that's our only point of reference is remembering the sacrifice, the obedient work of Jesus Christ. Put it back on. Y'all are needed. Will you be a part of the posse? Will you not wait for the engraved invitation, but say, I want to be in the game I want to be used however I can. I want to link arms. I want to work. I want to serve. I want to minister what's needed. You are needed. Dangerous, life-threatening work of rescue, reconciliation, restoration, relationship building are needed and your sheriff, not, not me, your sheriff is asking you to saddle up. To mount up. Ride or die, right? By having the hats and wearing the black, left the six-shooter at home. I'm trying to make this memorable. But more than that, I'm trying to make this impactful. I'm trying to convey the urgency of the season. This might be offensive. This might be offensive, and I'm willing to take the risk if it's offensive. I shudder at the think, uh, the thought that this church has become or could become a club with limited members, with limited relations, with a secret handshake and what I shudder at that thought. We are not a stinking club. We are the body of Christ. We are powerful as the body of Christ. And we are called to go beyond these walls. And we are called to link arms with others and say, come with me, where are we going? We're going to church. When's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the last time you invited a neighbor to church? When's the last time you invited the person at Home Depot to church? And we got like two and a half people from Home Depot who go to this church. I want more. 
Every time I'm at Home Depot, I'm inviting someone to church. You are needed to help strengthen this local church. You got it? You're needed. And, and that might mean inconveniencing you, and that might be adding something else to your schedule. Recently, I was in there with the kids teaching class, and I had Cadence as my helper, and it was wonderful. I love your kids. It was great. And Kara said, hey, we need people to work in, in kids' church. And I want to say we had something like eight or nine people responded. Like, we had good response. So I'm like, okay, people are hungry, people are willing. So I'm not going to label this with we need people for greeting. We need people for blank. I'm just saying you are needed. You are needed to, to just demonstrate God's love. So how, how lacking would this service have been if Marie hadn't been up here serving how, how lacking would this service have been? How lacking would it have been, this, this time together, this 90 minutes together, if Hawk hadn't come up here and spoke from the heart and read a poem, not even scripture, but a writing that, that caused our hearts to be tender towards this weekend and to really see what it is and to recognize the sacrifice of others. We would have been lacking if he hadn't done that been lacking if David Horn hadn't showed up earlier today because we had need for assistance and he he his daughter's graduation parties today and so they're that's where they're at right now I know some of y'all and the Harpers were coming we're going to that David left those responsibilities to come help so that we could be logged on so that people could worship with us on YouTube and on Facebook and I'd be pointing to the back of the building and not to an audience if he hadn't come early to do that. You are needed. You are needed. Your work is needed. Your work is needed to help make Jesus known by your words, definitely, but by your life, crucially. Your work is needed to help put God's plan into effect and action. I need to remind us. I mentioned that Jesus isn't on that cross, but his, some of his last words on that cross were, it's finished. I've left nothing to chance. Everything the Father asked me to do, I've done. So Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's like, everything the Father's asked me to do, I've done. Now, you know what he does? But that doesn't mean the work's done. Now he says, in my place of authority, in my place of submission to the Father, but also my place of rulership at his right hand, now I commission you to do the work. Now I call you to do the work. I need you to do this for me, to be my mouth, to be my heart. He said at the right hand of the Father. He said, I've done it. But he says, now I need you to daily pick up your cross to, to surrender and follow me. Your work is needed to help put God's plan into action. Your work is needed to assist in a rescue, a search and save, a restoration unto the Father. 
Your work is needed to bring peace in the midst of riots and preservation in the faith of Satan's in the face of Satan's attempt at hostile occupation of our community, of our homes, of our marriages, of our schools. You're needed. say it anyway. I'm doing it with or without you. I am. I'm doing it with or without you. I walked away from the corporate world where I made a healthy six-figure job and said yes to the call of God. I'm doing it with or without you. I'm, I'm all in. I've burned the ships. Man, it's a whole lot funner with you. Man, we're a whole lot more effective together. We're so much more impactful doing it together. Let's do it together. Teenagers, let's do it together. People who don't think they're old but really are, let's do it together. People who thought you were retired, but you're not, let's do it together.